before he died, and his apostle John recorded them for our benefit as well. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, but he trims clean every branch that does produce fruit, so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already clean because of what I have said to you. Stay connected to me, and I will stay connected to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays connected to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay connected to me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, and I stay connected to you, then you will produce lots of fruit, but you cannot do anything without me. If you don't stay connected to me, you will be thrown away. You will be like dry branches that are gathered up and burned in a fire. May God bless the reading of his word. I don't know what's going on with my microphone today. Back when I was training for ministry, we didn't get a lot of training in technology. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of technology. And we didn't really learn what to do with the clicker. We didn't learn what to do with microphones you hang on your ear. None of those things were told to us. But these days, you know, you've got to at least try to stay up to date. And you can't really preach a sermon without a PowerPoint presentation, can you? Uh, you know, back when I was training, you were supposed to have a poem. Uh, somewhere in the sermon, it wasn't a real sermon unless you had a poem. Well, these days it's more you got to have the pictures. And if you're really a good preacher, you have a video. Y'all want any videos today? No, sorry, not getting a video today. But I do have some pictures because I believe that. I believe that it is better if we have an image to look at, if there's something that we can see that gets in our mind and, and we can carry that with us. And later on during the day or during the week, maybe that image will come back to us and we can kind of begin to unpack it. Now, I know that's true because, for one thing, studies have shown that to be true, but also because Jesus believed it. And Jesus taught with pictures as well. He never went anywhere without his laptop, his projector, and his screen. I think Andrew was in charge of the screen. If I remember right, Bartholomew was his tech that kept it all up and going. And he would set it all up, and then he would start showing these pictures to everyone so that when they went home, they could start thinking about what that really meant. Well, you know I'm just kidding about the technology. But I'm not kidding about the pictures. That Jesus really did present things in pictures. Now, he used what technology he had at that time, which was basically verbal descriptions of the pictures. If you read his parables, they're very vivid, aren't they? And particularly for those people, he would talk about things in everyday life for them, and they could just see those scenes in front of them as he told the stories. And then in the Gospel of John, he gives us some real definite pictures of him, and he says, if you want to remember what I look like, here's what I look like. And he would give them a picture and they could take it home with them and pull it out and look at it and say, wow, now Jesus is like this. For example, he says, I am the bread that brings life. 
And those people, to those people, bread, you know, to us, bread is wonderful. I get, anybody here like bread? Okay. Especially that bread coming right out of the oven. Can't you just sort of smell it right now? And lunch is coming. And, you know, bread just kind of makes your mouth water. In our generation, we have so much food available that bread is one of those things that we have to kind of cut back on, don't we? And we think of it almost as a luxury when we get to enjoy it and not feel guilty about eating it. But for those people back then, bread was a staple for them. Uh, If you didn't have anything else to eat, you might have some bread to eat. And for Jesus to say, I am the bread that brings life, that was meaningful to them. And as they sat down that night after hearing his sermon about being bread, and they took that bread, you know they began thinking that Jesus is the one who who nourishes us, that Jesus is the one who gives us life. Another picture he painted for them, he said, I am the light of the world. And you can imagine how after hearing that sermon, They went home, and the sun went down, and it got dark, and throughout the night, you know, things were dark. They get up the next morning, maybe it's still dark, and as they begin trying to move around, suddenly the sun starts coming up, and they can see where they're going, and they can see all that's around them, and they think, you know, Jesus is like that. He's the light that that shows us what reality is and what's going on around us. He also said, I am the gate. This one's not quite as well known as bread and light, is it? But one time he said, I'm the gate. Now you tell me, what's so important about Jesus being the gate? What does that mean to you? Coming in, entrance, he is the opening through which we pass in order to enter into God's thing, right, Andres? Okay, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he also said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life like that, didn't he? So it is, you go through the gate in order to get into the kingdom and into the care and keeping of God. But also gates serve other purposes, don't they? And I think that's one reason Jesus talked to us in pictures is we can think about other things. Besides letting you in, what does a gate also do? It keeps you in, (laughs) it protects you, and it keeps other things out, doesn't it? So there is that element, too, of a gate uh, giving some sort of a protection and some boundaries for our lives as well. Another one that we know very well is Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And we talk about that one probably more than any of the rest of these. How he protects us and leads us and guides us and and just takes care of us. He's, He's that shepherd and we are his sheep. And then we come to the one we want to talk about for a while today where he says, I am the vine. And we began to think, now what does that mean? What can I take with this picture and in some quiet moments begin to think about what that means? Well, Jesus helps us out with that because he unpacks this one a little bit. He says, I am the vine. My father is the gardener, as we said in the version I read, or vine keeper or husbandman. Uh, It could be translated a lot of different ways, but God is the one who takes care of the vine. And then he says, the branches of the vine are you guys. Those of you who want to be my followers, those of you who are my disciples. So we have that information. Jesus is the vine. 
God is the one taking care of the vine, and then we are the branches. Well, what can we do with that? What can we learn from that illustration or that picture? Well, what's Jesus' role in this image? He's the one who provides life. He's the one who provides nourishment. He is the one that really everything else kind of depends on being the vine. Well, what about God as the gardener? Any of you garden? Yeah, you do. You, if you're not doing it now, you have done it. And you've been around it somewhat. Ooh, if you like good gardens, you ought to go out to the Garden of Eden right now. It is looking wonderful. Somebody planted the most marvelous pea patch that I think has ever been planted before. And it is just coming up and smiling and laughing. And it's going to pump out those peas. And I'm going to go pick squash tomorrow. We've already got squash coming in. So uh, anyway, okay. The gardener. What does a gardener do? Well, a gardener plants, a gardener waters, a gardener fertilizes, a a gardener weeds, gets all the bad stuff out. And it's legitimate for us to think of God doing all of those things with this picture. However, there are two functions that's kind of like one that Jesus really zeroes in on here that a gardener does for a vine. Did you notice what they are? He says what the gardener does is he looks at the vine and any branches that are not being productive, he cuts them off. And branches that are being productive, he cuts them off. Now, we kind of understand that. It's kind of surprising You would expect it to sort of go different directions there, wouldn't you? But we understand that many plants, and especially grapevines, that if they're going to be productive, you've got to get rid of the branches that are not fruit-bearing because they're just going to take energy away from the plant. They're not going to do anything, and so it's best for the health of the vine and for all the other productive branches if you take those off. And we also understand that if branches are producing fruit, that if you cut them back, that they will produce more fruit. Now, the interesting thing is that both kind of branches kind of undergo the same thing, don't they? And in fact, if you're reading this in John's original language, he uses basically the same words to describe what happens to each. He says the unproductive branches are are, cut off. The productive branches are kath are. They're also cut back. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. That if you walk through a vineyard, and you see the vines where the branches have been pruned away. At that point, it's hard to tell which ones were cut off because they were unproductive, which ones were cut off because they are productive, and because it'll help them to produce more fruit. Now we're going to get into something that's kind of difficult to talk about. And I don't want to present myself as an expert on this, Because there's some things about this I don't understand. But I do know that I have watched a lot of people go through a lot of cutting and pruning 
in their lives. And sometimes it's difficult to know where that's coming from. It's difficult to know why these things are happening to these people. I do know that not all the cutting and breaking off of branches comes from the gardener. I think it's legitimate to talk about that. There are storms of life that come through. There are other ways that branches can get broken. But if we're going to stay true to this particular text, what we have to see is that sometimes the cutting comes as a form of removing dead growth. And other times it comes as a way to make a branch more productive. And the only way you can tell which one it was is by the end result. As I say, I've watched a lot of people go through very difficult times in life. And results vary. I've seen people that grow angry, bitter. They are angry with God. They're angry with the church. They're angry with me. And the difficult times cause their hearts to grow cold. And whether it's God casting them off or them simply leaving themselves, they're gone. And then I see other people who go through difficult times in life. And it seems like the fruit that they bear is the sweetest they've ever borne. And we who are all around are fed by that fruit. There's some folks like that right now in this church. Some of you are already thinking of names, aren't you? And we have questions why these people are having to go through these things. And yet at the same time, we turn back around and say, but look at the fruit that they're bearing. I think of Andy Cup. Y'all know Andy? He comes to first service most of the time. Young man, colonel in the Air Force, life going well. Now he's suffering from what appears to be terminal cancer. And yet if you've been around Andy, you know what kind of fruit he is bearing. You know how he is feeding and encouraging us. June Green. Yeah. Think, why such a sweet lady is she going through something like this? And yet if you talk to June at all, you know that this is her most fruitful time in life. She's told me that. Bob Bruni mentioned to me today that he actually has been pruned. <laughs> you visitors may not know. Bob's a great guy. He was in a motorcycle accident and lost a part of his leg. And through it all, he has smiled. Through it all, he has given God glory. And he has borne fruit. So it's really hard to tell. And like I say, I'm not saying that everything bad that happens is an instance of this. But something is here that Jesus is telling us about. And he says that when the difficult times in life produce fruit, then you know that you are a branch that is connected to the vine. Now we come to our part. Talked about Jesus the gardener. What about us? 
What is it that we're supposed to learn about ourselves from this saying of Jesus? Well, for one thing, it's talked a lot about bearing fruit, hasn't it? And I haven't been specific what that is because I can't be specific about what that is because Jesus wasn't specific about what the fruit that is born is. Many times we think of bearing fruit as producing other Christians, which would be other branches, which doesn't really quite fit into this particular image. Sometimes we jump over to the Apostle Paul who talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, those things, and say, well, maybe that's what Jesus had in mind. Well, maybe so, but that's Paul and not really the same image, but perhaps that helps us to know more what he's talking about. About the best we can do is to say that the fruit that is to be born is something that lends itself to the purpose of the vine, That the vine exists in order to produce this fruit, and the branches are the means by which it's produced. Paul kind of does this with the body, doesn't he? He says that Christ is the head of the body, and we're the body, and we go around, we do the things Christ wants us to do. And so perhaps that's the best way of looking at what the fruit is, that it is simply that, that end result of what God is wanting, that feeds and nourishes the people around, that produces the essence of who God is. Well, certainly, part of what we are to learn from this is that we are to be those who bear fruit, whatever that might be. But if we go back and look carefully, now remember, this was told to the disciples of Jesus the night before he was to die and to be gone. And if we go back and look carefully and look for the words that are most repeated in this, Fruit appears a lot, but there's another word. John's word was minnow. We translate that in the old way of abide. In the version I read a moment ago, it's translated connected. Let's read those two verses again, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, stay connected to me, and I will stay connected to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays connected to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay connected to me and I stay connected to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. But you cannot do anything without me. And I believe out of all the lessons we can learn, From this particular saying of Jesus, this is the one that he is most emphasizing. That the most important thing we do is to make sure that we stay connected to him. That we're not out here trying to do this on our own. That we're not losing contact with him. And you know, the beauty of that is I don't have to tell you how to do that. Because you already know. You know how to stay connected to someone else. You may not always do it. All of us have friends that if we think back over the years that we used to be so close to and then we've kind of drifted apart. Maybe because we moved, they moved. Maybe because there was some kind of argument. Maybe it's just because you don't know why, but eventually you stopped communicating much. You didn't really share a lot and you sort of lost that connection. But then we have those people that we feel so connected to. And why is that? Well, because we share a lot with them. We experience things with them. We talk 
to them. We listen to them. I don't have to tell you how to stay connected to Jesus. You know how to do that. Now, certainly the Bible teaches us, as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights lately in our class about baptism, how that seems to be the initial connecting point. We're baptized into Christ. But here Jesus isn't talking about someone who once became a branch. He's talking about the branches that are hanging on, that are staying connected. And the beautiful thing is that if we put our energy there in staying connected to him, he says, you will produce fruit and you'll produce a lot of fruit. Now, the lesson that Jesus taught is very simple. But the lesson that Jesus taught is absolutely essential. And only you can answer the question about your fruitfulness and whether or not right now you're connected. Let's stand and sing.